you can please stand back up for the dance floor. Call on the Lord in my dis- this is from Psalm 20, uh, 120, sorry. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. Save me, Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, you deceitful tongues? He will punish you with the warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom bush. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshed, and that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long I have lived. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. We need you. We want you. Lord, you are the comforter in our chaos. You're the You're everything we need. You're the wind in our sails, the blanket that covers us when we're cold and heat. Lord, may you always continue to hold us, to care for us, to watch over us, and to love us. Thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to come together. Thank you for the love that you've shown us, not through just the things that you've done, but the people that you put around us. Lord, as we come in to learn more about you, may our hearts be open and willing to hear what you have to tell us. May the truth set in us. May your truth set us free. May we be open to whatever you want to say. Lord, I just want to put your comfort and your calmness over Pastor Nick as he delivers your word. Lord, we love you so much and we expect nothing but greatness from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Justin, for that prayer. Thank you, Shelly, for reading the word. Um, so this morning, as I said, this is not normal for me to lead worship and preach, but um, I'm thankful for the Lord's grace in that and uh, have the opportunity to kick off a new rhythm uh, for us as a church body. And so um, before we jump into the psalm that was read, uh, how many of you guys are uh, all about creating playlists? for your life. You have soundtracks for your life. Anybody? I have some kids that are that way. So, uh, you know, you got your workout playlist, you know, you got your study playlist, you got your work playlist. Um, And some of you even have, like, you know, you go on a trip, and depending on where you're going, you've got a trip playlist, right? I've seen this, I've seen this. And and so, like, with, with all the great, great things we have out there, like Spotify and you know, it, it, we kind of cre- can create these playlists, and they can sort of be a soundtrack background to to what we're doing. And 
For some, uh, I know that people say, well, I get through my workout with my playlist. I mean, that's how I kind of press through is like, and I've got these certain songs and they hit like right when I get to mile two and I know I'm going to die. And then the song comes and it's like, yes, okay, I can do this. I'm just going to focus on the lyrics and I'm going to keep running. Uh, and so playlists are actually really helpful. And it's, it's interesting how music moves us, how it stirs us, right? How it's really designed uh, to, to uh, motivate us and to teach us. And we always have said that Singing these songs are really good because they're portable theology, right? So you take truths about God and you put them in a format that is memorable. And, and so our kids are like in a classical conversations. Um, it's a classical education model, which is all about repetition and memorization. And when the kids are young, they learn all these songs. I mean, and some of them are annoying, okay? Just going to be honest. Some of them are annoying. They're a little bit like, ah, oh, I, I don't want to hear that song again. Um, and they have this, this long timeline song where they have to, like, you know, learn. And it's, it's amazing to watch, like, what they can learn. But <clears throat> you guys know what I'm talking about. When, um, when you were younger, probably you would struggle to memorize stuff for tests, but you could memorize every lyric to every song, you know. And so, like, I can imagine Russell here is probably, you know, really gifted with all these great music lyrics that he's got that, that, are, all, that are still stuck in your brain, right? And every one of us probably have some of those. Um, I wasn't going to name any artists and give you away, so, but I, I, I know who they are, and uh, so does God. And so, um, uh, but I, I know that this is the thing, like, um, in, the, in the scripture, we're kind of told, you know, kind of how God would use these songs, and, and even in, like, the book of Exodus, Exodus 15, I don't know if you all know what's in Exodus 15, but it's called the Song of Miriam, and it's a song that the people, uh, as they left Egypt, would sing to their kids, to their families, to teach them the history of like how God rescued them and how he parted the Red Sea and they were able to cross over. And I had to memorize that whole thing in seminary and, and recite it. And I, so that's one of the reasons why I know it's in Exodus 15, because I remember that moment. But um, here's the thing. Most of the Psalms obviously are not in, they don't have a tune to them now. So we don't really know what they sounded like, uh, what kind of harp they used, uh, whatever it was, but it's instrumentation, you know. But, we, but the Psalms are beautiful because they are heartfelt prayers put to music and and they're very poetic and they're very powerful and and so we can see um how god uses these psalms and many of the songs that we sing today um they actually take lyrics lines from those psalms and then put them into music in a modern way right and so it's a beautiful thing the other thing that psalms are really good for aside from just the musical part of it and giving us really good solid content to sing is they're great for prayer to teach us how to pray. Maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, but one of the, the great ways to grow your prayer life is to pray scripture. Because if you pray scripture, you know you're praying truth, right? And so you don't have to say, well, am I praying for what God wants or not? Just pray scripture, right? And there's ways to do that. Um, so I say all of that because this, uh, this year, we're going to take some time on the first Sunday of the month to look at some psalms, and we hope that what they will do is uh, give you some, some handles, maybe on some key areas of struggle in your life. Um, and, and, and I think the Psalms are very, very applicable to our everyday lives. Um, I think you'll see that even in the first one that we've already read. But also, we want to encourage you over this next month to use it as a, a springboard for your prayer life. And so a way to, like, pray the Psalms and to read it again and read it again and read it again. Meditating, I don't know if you guys know what the word meditate means, but it means saying it to yourself over and over and over again until it starts to really sink in below just the intellectual level but to the heart level. And so we're told in Scripture, in the Psalms, by the way, to meditate on the Word of God day and night. 
And so when you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you read it, keep on repeating, right? You start to let it, it starts to sink in. And so you start to say, God, like, let this move from just here again to, to really at the, 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 the core of who I am. And as that starts to happen, because sin, if sin was just behavioral, uh, it'd be easy to fix. Sin's not behavioral. <laughs> sin, sin is a belief issue at the heart level. And then it's, it's, a, it's a motive. It's, a, it's, a, um, it, it's got a hold of us in our desire engine under the hood, right? And so we have to ask the Lord to use his word to penetrate down to that level and start to work through it. Um, and so these psalms will hopefully help us with that. And what you'll notice, just a really quick snapshot, I'm going to move quick today, because most of these psalms are, are super short. And so just a little bit of history. Um, if you notice, beginning in Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, every one of the psalms has the same title. It says Song of Ascent. Songs of Ascent, sometimes it says that with the plural in the Songs of Ascent. And these were 15 songs that were the soundtrack, they were the playlist for the people of God when they would go to Jerusalem to worship a few times a year. So even back then, they had a playlist, right? They, they had their little list, this is what we're going to sing, this is what we're going to say as we're making our ascent, because it's an ascent, up to Jerusalem. So they're going up the mountain, and they had to do this a few times a year, and as they're going up... Uh, the whole community would, would sing these songs. So you get the, 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 the families singing it with their kids. And, and these, these psalms that are really, really powerful and potent. Um, and you'll notice a progression in them, which we'll talk about in the future weeks that are coming. Um, again, we're going to have some space between each one of them, but we'll try to, like, see, you can see how they build. And, again, there's 15, so it's going to take us a while to go through these. And, in fact, uh, we're going to try to get some different people in the congregation to speak to some of these. And so uh, it won't just be me preaching on some of these or, or even Tim. Some of the others uh, of you may be called upon, so get ready, uh, to talk about these psalms. And, and really, again, lift our eyes upward. So I want to just for a second look at what's in this one today. Because uh, this, this psalm comes on the heels of Psalm 119. Anybody know anything about Psalm 119? Longest chapter in the entire Bible, all right? And interestingly, it's the middle of the Bible. At least when you open your Bible, typically, if you try to open it in the middle, you're going to open it to Psalm 119. And what's so powerful about Psalm 119 is that it's all about the Word of God and how the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's Psalm 119, 105. How can a young man keep his way pure by living in accordance with your Word? Psalm 119, 9 through 11. There, you know, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so you, you've got these great passages of Scripture uh, in Psalms, these great, these great um, very poetic, very memorable. And the Jewish people would teach their kids, they would, they would help them memorize the entire Psalm 119. So there's your task this year, parents, right? Your kids memorize. Kids, you guys up for it? <laughs> My son says no. Um, well, if we put it to song, maybe if we wrap it, you know, or something, I don't know. Um, we'll find a way. Uh, no, but Psalm 119 is incredible. But then you get to these psalms, and they're all short. And so what they would do is they would, they would link them all together. And so they just start one and just kind of work their way through them and probably repeat them again as they're making that ascent up to Jerusalem for worship, for the place where they would come to get right with God, to have that moment uh, where <coughs> there were sacrifices made and there was worshipful practice go practices going on in the city of Jerusalem in the temple. So in this passage... Uh, it, it, it just, it starts out right out of the gate, in my distress, in my distress. Anybody feel distressed 
Anybody feeling distressed today or have felt distressed this week? If you, I say this fairly often, but if you have a pulse, if there is oxygen entering your body and leaving your body as you inhale and exhale, if your heart is beating, then you have experienced distress in the world in which we live because we live in a fallen world. So distress comes, and it comes in lots of forms. It comes in marital strife. It comes in financial struggles. Uh, distress comes in, in heartache over loss of loved ones, sickness. I mean, we have felt great distress for the Howard family. Some of you guys know that we've felt, felt that pain. We were talking to them this week as we dropped off some stuff there. Just the intensity of mourning and grieving loss of a seven-year-old daughter. It's just intense. It's distress because this world is broken. It is broken. And we see the, the impact and the consequences of sin. And when he says, in my distress, I just already identify. Because it, although I am very good, and maybe you're good at this too, of like distracting myself, when I get still and I get quiet before the Lord, like I just feel the, the, the sense that the world is not okay. And, and it's kind of overwhelming at first. And here's what I've learned. If I keep trying to push away the pain of this life, I won't learn how to pray. If I keep trying to ignore <laughs> the pain of this life and just mask it or maybe find some things that will kind of just keep me distracted, I will not learn how to pray. It's actually learning to see the pain and the heartache of the world that presses me into Jesus. Does that make sense for you guys? So I love it that the psalmist is saying, He's so raw. In my distress. That's real life. That's where we live. That's our address. That, that's, that is where we are, is we as human beings are experiencing some level of distress somewhere. And if we're not, I just don't think we're being honest with ourselves or we, we've kind of lost sight of the fact that the world is full of injustice. It's full of suffering. It's full of heartache. It's full of signs that the kingdom has come, but it's not fully realized yet, right? And so there's indicators that King Jesus, while he's definitely on the throne of heaven, he is not fully on the throne of every heart of the people on the earth. But one day he will be. We're going to come back, by the way, and finish the book of Revelation. Just got to make that plug because some of you are like, are we going to, like, finish that Revelation thing? Are we moving on from that? What's going on? We are going to come back because we were just getting to the good part, right? Can't stop in the middle of the mess. Um, we're going to come back. But this morning, my guess is that some of you walked in distressed in some form. And I, and I just want to say, again, a state, maybe something that's very obvious because it's been a, a passion of my heart as a church brat who grew up in church all my life. I learned as a Christian from an early age how to live very superficially amongst other Christians and not to acknowledge and really deal with the distress that was in my heart. And so I learned from an early age how to go to church gatherings, put a smile on my face, wear my best clothes, sing songs, hear things taught, but not talk about what was really going on in my heart. And kind of keep people at a distance, keep people at bay. And by God's grace, you begin to break through and say, like, no, like, you, you're never going to grow there. You're never going to become uh, fully formed and, and, and more like Jesus as long as you're playing this plastic Christian thing you got going on, wearing masks. And, and so I began to learn how to open up 
and learn how to get into community real, with people, which is why we fight so hard for real life groups or for these life groups we have. We, we, we fight for you getting into DNA groups is because we know that when you get into community and you begin to let some of that distress <laughs> you're struggling with, some of the unbelief, some of the struggle in your heart, like you'll begin to grow as you begin to see the beauty of Christ and how he meets us in that distress. Notice he doesn't just say, I'm distressed. He says, what does he do from his distress? He calls to the Lord. He calls to the Lord. What do you do in your distress? What is your MO? When stuff hits the fan in your life, where do you go? And I hope and I pray that as Christ followers, we increasingly find ourselves going to the Father. Going to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Going to the creator of the universe. Going to the one who made us and knit us together in our mother's womb. Who knows better than we know ourselves. And knows what we need before we even ask. But we can come to him. And he says, I called to the Lord. And I love the second part of that, or the, the third piece there. He says, and he answered me. And he answered me. I want to come back to that in just a second. But what is this, this cause of this distress that's in this passage before we answer that, before we come back to that piece? He says, Lord, deliver me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. Anybody ever felt like people were lying about you? Anybody ever felt like people were slandering you? Anybody ever felt just unfairly treated, misjudged? You know, um, not, not new at all, but the whole silly statement that was made for a long, long time about sticks and stones, not, you know, may, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's just, you know, it's just a lie, right? Because the most painful things we endure many times are words that come out of people's mouths. Sadly, some of the greatest pain that I've inflicted in my life is because I let this mouth speak something out with no self-control and inflicted a really difficult and destructive wound in somebody's life. And I've also been the recipient of some of those things. And as a result of that, like, I've had to work through those things and come to God with it. And that's exactly what the psalmist is doing. He's, he's coming. He says, God, these people, they're, they're lying and they're deceitful. And that is just the language of the enemy proliferated into the world's culture. That is, that is just the norm, right? We slander, we gossip, we criticize, we condemn. That is, that is the way many, oh, it's just acceptable. It's acceptable, right? And social media has just exploited that and magnified that to, a, to, the, to the crazy degree where you, like, it's just it's so divisive, it's so destructive, it's so messy and gnarly. And so he's, he's wrestling that out. And he talks about this um, misery of staying in Meshach and Kedar. And from what we understand, like he hadn't even been there, but he sees those places like desolate places, like um, these wilderness kind of places. Like Psalm 63, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Psalm 63, but David there, he says, I'm in the desert. I'm in this place of like real dryness, and it's very difficult, but I cry out to you, God. It's these, this, this psalmist is saying, these places are not places that I want to be. These are places that it feels like there's isolation and there's just suffering. And, and I've been there, God, and I don't want to be there any longer. How long do I have to be there, you know? That's what he's saying. I love, again, his honesty. But he sees that as even as he seeks peace, there are people who hate peace, and they want war. Does that seem very common in our world today? <laughs> Absolutely, doesn't it? Because it feels like the human race, again, in our pride and our arrogance, our resistance to God's rule and God's reign, naturally continue to fall in this trap of dissension and division and destruction. 
the psalmist is just calling out to the Lord. So what do we do with that? When you come, like, what makes me confident that when I come and pray that God's actually not going to backhand me or ignore me, but he's actually going to invite me to come and to receive from him what I need, the salve that I need for my wound where somebody has said something that's been hurtful or harmful. What is that? What's the, what's the solution? What hope do I have in coming to pray? Well, if there is anyone who could pray this prayer and identify this with this prayer would be Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what I love about the Psalms is that they're so prophetic. They're so prophetic because they're Psalms that all through the life of Jesus, we see them come back up. In fact, even while he's on the cross, there's things that we see from Psalm 22. We see that, you know, demonstrated in, 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 uh, in that moment on the cross. Why? Because these words that were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write are prophetic words, and they, they speak, and they remind us that Jesus, he gets this. Was Jesus slandered? Did Jesus deal with lying lips and deceitful tongues? You better believe he did. He went to a cross as an innocent man. Do you think he can identify with us when we feel like we're attacked unfairly? When we feel like we are treated wrongly? My wife and I, we've gone through some, some difficulties in different days of our in seasons of life. And we've had some things where I, I literally came, you know, home and like, like feels, feels like the only thing I really have is my reputation. And even that's like not even <laughs> safe, you know. It's like, and, and, and Jesus is just like, hey, I get it. I understand. And I got you. And I know your heart. Just trust me. And in our lives... We have a, a Savior, we have a God who answers us in our distress. And what's great is he doesn't just say, I hear you. The reason why Jesus can identify with this distress is because he actually subjected himself to it willingly. Every single one of you in this room, whatever distress you're going through, Jesus subjected himself to distress for you so that it would eliminate your ultimate distress. And my distress We've already sung about it this morning. We've already celebrated it. We've already thanked God for it. We're going to continue to do that because when you pray, he lifts your eyes upward and you start to realize that what people say here really isn't the ultimate final word. And it's not really what matters. It is, does it hurt? Yes, we should be honest. Is it painful and does it stink? Yes. But what will completely change that is not re re repaying that evil for evil. And not just whining to God about it, but asking God to give us the reality to believe, believe the reality of who we are in him. That we are loved. That we are chosen. And that's enough. Does that sound familiar? We just sing that? That we're already loved. We're already chosen. We know who we are. That's what he reminds us of. And if you ever, ever, ever want to question like whether God cares about your condition and your distress that the psalmist is saying, look no further than the cross. Look no further than the incarnation of Jesus showing up in our mess and saying, I'm not going to leave you in your distress. I'm coming to be distressed so that we can fix all distress. And to me today, that's worth celebrating. It's a game changer. And it's why I want to pray more. It's why I actually want to be with the Father. It's actually why I need to be with the Father because I need to call out to him and say, would you remind me that you stepped into my distress? You answered me. You didn't turn a deaf ear to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
And thank you that you gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit to remind us we had this sense that you were with us even in your distress. Because he is. Tie it back to what I said earlier. You want to know where you find contentment in a crazy world where distress is all around and distress is battling for the center of your heart? Presence of God. Presence in the person of God. And that is experience the work of the Holy Spirit. So wherever you are, whatever you're working through, whatever you're dealing with, the greatest need you and I have is God. And the greatest solution to every issue we're facing is God. And yes, we, as God's people, get to remind each other of that, which is why we need community. And we need the word of God, these psalms, to remind us that we're not the first person to, to battle with this and we won't be the last. And we need the word of God to remind us of the story, the arc of redemption of all the scripture that tells us that we just are part of this bigger story that's playing out and that the final word has not been spoken. That the victory is is the Lord's and we know where this is going. And so praise God for that. You may be feeling distressed today, but there's hope, there's answers, there's peace. We may not know the why of our distress, but we do know the who is over our distress. And that makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that we, as your people, don't have to live in chaos and distress without any hope. We are going to continue to experience chaos and distress in this world because the work of salvation is complete and yet not fully realized. And I thank you, God, that there's a day coming that we will get to experience the removal of all sin and all the suffering that it causes. And God, I'm guessing today that there are people in this room have unforgiveness and bitterness in their heart because of the distress that they are under. It's a direct result of wounds from maybe lies or slander or gossip that's been spoken about them. And I pray today that you would free their heart from that bitterness and unforgiveness because they are able to look to you And not to dismiss sin, but to say, Jesus, we know that you forgive the sin of your enemy, us. And God, you will give us the capacity to forgive those who have hurt us and have wronged us. I think, God, just that just is in my mind this morning that there are some people here that are that are entrapped, imprisoned even by unforgiveness. And I pray today you'd set their hearts free. And I also pray, God, that today that you would help us to be propelled forward, that when we face distress, that we would turn to you, that we would look to you, we would listen for your voice. We would call on you and know that you will answer us. Let's pray that in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to transition to some worship time, and I just want to take you ask you to take a few minutes just right there in your heart before we start singing, before we start doing anything else and say, God, is there something that you want me to hear today and you want me to obey? And um, just invite you to do that before we sing and um, just listening to the, to the Holy Spirit.
Spirit is here, moving among us, obviously, and lives in us. So is there something God's saying to you that you need to, to, to follow him on? And then we'll continue on here in a second.